0: Hello and welcome back to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara Kearney and I am your host. Hello, hello, hello. I am back. How are you? I missed you. Sorry to have been away for a couple of weeks there. I know that usually this podcast is out every two weeks. If you're a new listener, you may not know that. If you are a regular listener, sorry for the hiatus. Life just got in the way, but I am finally catching up on interviews and I'm excited to try to get back on track. And yeah, I'm just happy to be here. So I won't digress with uh, excuses just thank you so much for tuning in and hanging in there and I am delighted to announce that this episode is going to have Evelyn Suttle from a group that you may have heard of called v whether you are vegan or not. hear the name, V-Cons, vegan, v I love it, I love a pun, but um, even if you're not vegan, V-Cons is an amazing Instagram account to follow because Evelyn and her two friends there do such a great job on highlighting not only where you can access plant-based food very easily in Dublin, um, but they also highlight highlight very various injustices and are just a very it's a very positive account even though they highlight a lot of injustices and um, negative things there's always like an action that they give you and I-, I love it so I would definitely recommend giving them a follow if you don't already and of course we're going to talk about Evelyn and all of her activism. V Cons isn't the only thing she has, uh, the only finger she has a no that's the, one. the the only pie she has a finger in the only finger she has a pie in that makes no sense but the vegan is not the only pie she has a finger in she is an activist in uh, animal rebellion as well she volunteers with so many different groups she shows up to protest after protest and it's funny still she thinks she's not doing enough as you'll hear her saying this whereas i think you'll all agree with me in saying that she is she is a brilliant activist um to look up to and to take inspiration and to take a leaf from her book to at her own way of living. I didn't even plan that little um, explanation of the title there. But there you go. I've spent some time linking everything that she chats about in the show notes. And then in other news, very quickly, before we jump into this interview, which I know is quite long already, but there was just so many golden nuggets that I could not share. Um, if anyone is going to Electric Picnic this weekend, the weekend of the 3rd of september September twenty twenty two I will be doing another Artivism panel on Saturday featuring oh yeah, Saturday the third of September at two forty p.m. in Global Green. Global Green is like the environmental kind of stage. Sections are going to be load of workshops on. One with our past, um, a past interviewee, Laura Kehoe, for for one. The accidental rapper is also going to be playing. Very excited. I'm going to be spending most of my first ever time going to a picnic at this environmental. Areas so I cannot wait and I will be doing another Artivism um, panel talk kind of workshop because there will also be um people sharing their art pieces and we'll kind of break down you know uh, how, how that generated change or have a little conversation about it so I really look forward to hosting Anthony Kinahan who is an actor and friend of mine who has performed in many um, shows but there will also be an environmental activist who I have had on the show before called Rachel Day. MC, and I can't wait to have her chat to meet her in person, and to have her share some uh, singing with us, and we'll all try try a bit of that together. And then there will also be a poet that I'm going to confirm, TBC, but keep an eye out on my socials and you can keep up to date on the talk and anything else that is going on behind the scenes. Book of Leaves podcast is what it is called on Instagram and then I think it's Book of Leaves pod on Twitter and then sure Facebook, I'm rarely there but sure follow me anyway if you fancy. And if you do like this podcast and you would like to contribute to the running fees of it from using Zencaster to the website hosting, etc please do subscribe on the Patreon for any amount that you can afford for as long as you can and uh, there's also a once-off model on buymeacoffee.com if you fancy like contributing a couple of euro there you absolutely can but don't put yourselves under any huge pressure if you're not in a position to do so and as always like share review there's now anything on Spotify that you can tap so top five stars there if you're listening on Spotify and that's all okay I've kept you away from the podcast long enough now here we are back at it again with Evelyn Suttle enjoy Amazing. Evelyn, I finally have you on Book of Leaves and I just can't thank you enough for dedicating your evening to chat to me. And for people who don't know anything about you, can you introduce yourself to listeners, please?
1: Okay, cool. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited and nervous. So. I, I often think about the question of how to introduce oneself and I find it weird that you introduce yourself using your name even though it's something you never picked and yeah, and yeah. often people introduce themselves with their jobs but a huge portion of people don't pick their jobs either so I'm like how do you describe yourself mm-hmm. when you when you want to talk about what you actually are as a person and so I I would you? say I'm who who am I to my core Uh, beyond my name and my job I consider myself an eco-feminist animal rights activist not as much as I'd like to be but uh, to a certain extent and I think what summarizes me as a person is that if you ever go for a walk with me and we come across multiple cats we will have to stop and greet every cat and see if they want attention see if they (sighs) want pets see how long they want pets we will stop for minutes with a cat who wants attention. I think that's that's the kind of person I am. I, I suppose a cat lady at heart who doesn't have any cats.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, she's a rabbit lady in real life. But that yeah. is amazing. We get a proper sense of who you are. And, and I guess what inspired you then to kind of, you're an, very much an activist these days. Um, so that comes from a place of compassion and caring. And were you always that way? Or was that something that you picked up say from your family and how did you end up getting into activism what inspired you to to do that
1: I don't know for certain I guess it's one of those questions that you have to think back upon retrospectively Mm. I don't think anyone wakes up and says I'm going to become an activist today (laughs) and from now on I think it is a case of you become passionate about maybe a local issue and then you realize it's tied to global issues and and you might not even realize it. And I think retrospectively, the thing or the person I cared about most growing up was a rabbit. As you said, I'm a rabbit person. A rabbit called Floppy was my favorite person on this planet. And she died when I was 11. She was actually killed when a fox came into the garden. Oh, no. And Oh no! But it was to be honest. Straight away, I was thinking, "Oh no for floppy. Oh no for me grieving her." But also, oh no for the fox. I immediately thought that fox is just looking to survive, like like floppy and like me. Uh, But I was devastated. And when I look back now, I realise, oh, that was the same year I stopped eating animals, and. That was the same time I realized that we were killing animals en masse and that there's so many huge industrialized systematic injustices in the world, which obviously didn't come all at once. And I didn't at all associate it at the time. I just thought I want to stop eating animals. Uh, But from that came a lot of other connected issues. Particularly with environmentalism, I was definitely introduced to environmentalism and the destruction of nature through the slaughter of animals and how in turn that destroys habitats, destroys land, destroys communities, destroys human populations. And of course, as we know now, heats up the planet as well. Mm -hmm. This happened over a good 10 years of learning about those things. Uh, But at first it was just floppy. It was, it was I loved so floppy. floppy floppy had died that really upset me and I did not want to actively kill other animals or actively yeah, yeah. kill anyone
0: that's a, a lot of people share that same path into not eating meat anymore when when they lose a, a companion animal and they're like that well I can't if if I feel this way about um you know floppy or buddy or ringo whoever your your animal is like yeah absolutely that dissonance um clicks for a lot of people and especially i think more so when you're young uh because your compassion is hasn't been like uh conditioned out of you or something yet so did your family because i guess i was able to stop eating meat at the age of 12 when i put two and two together about meat is animal animal is killed i like animals i don't want them to die and thank god my parents were like okay yeah this is a phase but we'll you know cook your pasta in a separate pot and we will we will cater to you but i have family members cousins who come up and go oh my daughter asked me to be vegetarian i said no and i'm like why so did you have that same support or like that enabled you that you were able to do that or was it a bit of a struggle
1: it was a bit of a struggle, not the biggest struggle ever, um, but there was a bit of a struggle. It wasn't immediately saying, we'll cook your pasta separately, because when you're a kid, yeah, you don't cook all your own meals. But when I said I was going to stop eating animals, my mother was very annoyed, and she said that I could make my own meal separately then, because she was cooking for a family of seven, and she didn't have time for that, and she said, okay, cook your own meals separately. And that was upsetting. And then I remember the first time I told my best friend when I went to her house every week and I mentioned it to her mother because her her mother was making me dinner. And I said I wasn't going to eat the meat in the dinner. And she said, oh, could you not do something useful instead for your mother? (laughs) And then I'll tell you the conclusion to this story, though, is that me, my best friend, her mother and my mother are all vegan now. So there was, of course, a reluctance and both of our mothers were worried about our health. And and of course, there's huge propaganda to say protein, calcium, vitamin D, you get all these from animals. And no mention of the fact that it also comes from vegetables. But, But so that was the angle that they were coming from, is that they thought this is, you know, this is a health issue. This is a convenience issue and no one had time for it. But after a while, it was realised that you know what there's loads of plants, there's loads of healthy plant diets, and it also comes with loads of benefits. Mm-hmm. And obviously, to be going vegan themselves, our parents have very much realised those benefits now, uh, which is it's it's a it's a lovely end to the story. But I remember. At the time, I remember looking, at, looking through the cookbooks. We didn't have internet and I w- went to our bookshelf and found cookbooks to try to figure out how do I cook my own meals? I'm not allowed to use the oven. Oh <laughs> so, so that was, was not the best time, but it also wasn't that bad. And luckily, my parents are now extremely supportive. They literally okay. wave the flag of animal rights.
0: Mm, they're very active um and your mom has you're part of an um, a trio a vegan trio who are brilliant at raising awareness of what's like available in dublin and all across ireland and just veganism in ireland in general called vegans and am i right in saying your mom set up or is part of veg mums
1: Yeah, those are the two mothers I mentioned. (laughs) I don't want to be out of anyone and saying, oh, would you not do something useful? Because it was just like a momentary comment. But yeah, they they were both skeptical at one stage, but now they are wonderful. Big Mums puts up, yeah, I think it's described as. Irish mammies making vegan food yeah. uh, and they're absolutely amazing they make so many delicious things and particularly the other mum who's that my mum we grew up eating she made the most delicious party buns and they were just cupcakes I guess you'd call them but they are so good and I was thinking that when we stopped eating dairy and eggs that we would never taste them again but now she makes them vegan and oh my gosh they taste exactly the same and I don't know what it is because they are you know plain sponge cake buns but there's something about them that's special and they're still special now that they don't have any animal products in them
0: oh that is amazing and it's so nice to hear that you know for people listening for you know who might have someone in their life that it's really frustrating them that they're not yet vegan or they're not supportive like even my dad when I first went vegan was like what are you doing like I'd been veggie for ages then he was like you're taking it too far his fiance then went from veggie to vegan, and now he's like, "Are you vegan like ninety nine percent of the time?" And I'm like, "That's great! Like, it's amazing." So Brilliant. it is. There's absolutely the. It's just getting easier and easier. There's absolutely no reason that people need to be eating animals anymore. Like, not no reason It's it's fab. Um, and the work that you do with vegans, then, how did that come about? How did you meet the the other two women that you work with?
1: Oh gosh, we met when we were about four. So through school, uh, we met in school and we are kindred spirits, I would say. We watch horror films together very often. And I think the three of us, I think we're good influences on each other, which I think is a really nice quality in anyone's friends that I think, I think everyone knows when you have a friend who's a bad influence on you and they're great. They're great crack, but then, but then you have friends who are great crack and will be a bad influence when they need to be. When you need to be coaxed into doing something bad, they'll tell you to. But in terms of ethics and principles and just being a cool human being, it's they're they're those kind of friends. They we bounce off each other with different human rights, animal rights, and environmental issues and. I love when they call me out on things and when they say, oh, actually, you're being ignorant to this issue. And actually, you're being ignorant to people who do not have a choice regarding this. And they, so it's just my two best friends, Linda and Kate, and I love them to bits and have known them forever. But they also make me a better person. So when we were all vegan, probably eight years ago or something, kate been visiting London. So Kate's uh, partner was in London and she was sending loads of pictures back of, oh, look at all these vegan places to eat in London and you're able to find out about them because people have these Instagram accounts that tell you where you get vegan food. And she said at the time that we didn't have that in Dublin. So she said, let's set up a Dublin based vegan food Instagram account and that way we can show that there's vegan food everywhere. And honestly, at the time I said, oh, how long can this possibly last? Surely we'll go to the two vegan restaurants. We'll post about them, and then there'll be nothing left to show. But then I think we're probably over a thousand posts later. We still have not <laughs> been to all the vegan restaurants in Dublin, yeah. and we still and we we still haven't tried all the vegan pizzas yet. And I don't think we ever will because people mm-hmm. keep pumping out vegan pizzas all over the gap. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we try to share when we find something new and exciting, but also. We try to use it as a platform to say, "By the way, we're eating this way because it's better for literally every life on earth, yeah, uh, just to to remind people that this is not a fad diet. This is not us saying we want to eat salad all the time because we'll look fabulous no this is This is an agricultural food system issue that affects literally every life on the planet,
0: yeah. One of the best diets that anyone can consume. So it's good for your health. It's better way better, million times better. Okay, that's not a scientific fact. A million times better, but it's a lot better than animal eating animals because just the resources that are needed. And then of course is actual life. Like I you I just walk around feeling a little bit lighter knowing that I'm doing my best and it's been so it's just made so much easier by yeah all these businesses bringing out more food but then people like you guys like showing oh look at all these cookies that we can easily get you know in M&S you know it's so much easier now I can't get over the change I haven't been vegan as long only six years now but the change was just I remember seeing my first vegan frozen pizza. I was actually in Germany. It wasn't even in Ireland. And I welled up. I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) And I was like bringing home. uh, I brought home like three cans of spray whip cream from Germany as well, because I just love that so much. And now it's everywhere. You can get vegan spray, spray whip in a can now. So, yeah, it's just there's no better time for it. But you were talking there about a couple of different issues that you also care about, which I know you're you're an activist about um so many things, which is amazing. but how I guess does activism manifest for you and what's your what's your favorite part about being an activist? I know it doesn't happen one day you choose it, but it's kind of the life you kind of end up in and the circles you end up in, but yeah, how does it manifest, and what's your favorite part about it?
1: It manifests with me with doing what I can when I can. There's definitely times when I just need to zone out for a while. And then there's times when I'm up for attending a protest every day and emailing politicians every day and sharing information as much as possible every day and supporting organizations I agree with as much as possible. And then there's times when I just think I'm going to do the minimum. I'm going to sign the petition online uh, which is it's definitely doing the minimum is a whole lot better than doing nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favourite part of activism is meeting people like you. I love just being around people who are equally worried uh, or have similar worries. And because <laughs> there's so many, especially with environmentalism and animal rights and actually so many issues especially with especially with every systematic injustice it feels like you are shouting at a thunderstorm Mm. and that that voice is going nowhere but then when you have two people or ten people or sometimes a thousand people shouting at that thunderstorm it feels so much safer and it feels like you are being heard by someone and that other people are scared too. And it's that idea of a problem shared is a problem halved. And yeah, I like I like being around other activists and I like learning from them as well. I feel like every time I attend a protest, like last time, what was the last protest I went to it was about uh, Shannon LNG. So it was about fossil fuels. But I meet people there who are telling me about their other human rights and justice campaign that they're working on. And can I go to that as well? And it's just kind of this snowball effect of being, you know, influenced by other people. I don't like to say influenced because that's now so associated with mm. buying, <laughs> yeah, not being informed by <laughs> other people about important issues. And uh, yeah, I think the first protest I ever went to was as a child about the Iraq war and I thank my dad for bringing me to that because I think otherwise I wouldn't have been exposed to this idea of there can be people power and there can be a counter movement uh, when we have and when we always have a government in place who are doing things that the general public are against so yeah I liked I liked that because I was just surrounded by all these signs that said things like you know blood is sicker than oil and I was being exposed to people who had these ideas that you know just because there was someone sitting in a seat of power saying yeah we'll accommodate for this that there were so many people on the streets who were saying no i'm going to shout at you and i'm going to pressure you and yeah obviously a lot of the protests i have been to have been i suppose you could say unsuccessful we are fighting very much an uphill battle on all the fronts i've mentioned yeah sorry that's going into a negative way but I love it I love it though but I love that there there are people fighting that battle because one person said to me at, at one point it was at an anti racism event and they said isn't this great we have so much hope and I was saying yeah but there's there's so much so many horrible things going on and they said yeah but there's so much to fight for there's so many good people here and there's so many good people all around the world and there's so many beautiful things around the world that this is all currently at stake and therefore we have the greatest amount to fight for that we've ever had and that, that was such a hopeful thought I thought wow that's that's such a, a positive way of looking at it that yes we have everything to lose but also we have literally everything to gain by campaigning for these issues
0: that is so beautiful what a th- like I nearly want that tattooed to my skin like there because it is so easy to forget um but I totally agree that when the one of the best things about getting involved in ac- an activism from local litter cleanups to leafleting to attending protests or organizing them is absolutely the people you meet. You learn some amount of skills as well when you start volunteering. If you get into the volunteering side, there's people willing to give their skills and they might be working in in a particular industry for years and years. And here they are giving their skills to a cause from uh, creative to uh you know i've learned so much about press release writing (laughs) that i never thought i would know all of these things you know um not to mention of course the people and you feel just held by this like invisible invisible hammock that you're all just like holding up together unaware and everyone is just you know supporting each other and you were mentioned as well that your dad Am I right in saying he has like does he have like a vegetable does he like grow food or something as well is ecofarm ireland something in your family?
1: Yeah so ecofarm ireland is extremely small scale it sounds bigger than it is it's our way of basically myself and my family wanted to highlight the fact that food is nutritionally essential food so grains fruits and vegetables can be grown here. Because one of the huge misconceptions is that, oh, Ireland only focuses on meat and dairy because that's all we can do, which is just not true whatsoever. So uh, we started um, an online presence and a small urban rented vegetable spot where we grow Vegetables, fruits and we've run a little bit of grain but that's something we definitely need to work on because a little bit of cereals because yeah I'm not great at it and we're learning as we go but my family are very much while they are not experienced food growers, they do have some plant experience and everyone's bringing their two cents into it. Mm-hmm. I, my two cents is just, I'm absolutely enraged at the treatment of animals in our food system. So that's my two cents, which isn't the most helpful, but it's the, the drive and the passion. And then my brother is a botanist. So he brings in that research he has and his his focus is on creating a plant-based food system or a sustainable food system. So he brings that knowledge of, oh yeah, well, this is how we do it sustainably. And this is how we can do it without harming the soil and harming the air and harming the surrounding biodiversity. And then my dad his background is in landscaping and so he he's able to tell me the latin name of every plant which isn't something i always ask for it's not something i i'm happy to call it a potato and that's that but uh but he does come with all that knowledge of um i know spotting when something is diseased and when something needs more attention and uh when something yeah we have a constant argument over how to deal with the weeds as well and uh which is good we we argue about okay what is the most environmentally friendly and animal friendly and human friendly way of doing this and yeah we just want to show that anything that we can grow any fool can grow because that's the thing <laughs> we are fools um and anything that can be grown in Ireland that is nutritionally beneficial and can be grown in a way that's environmentally uh, beneficial in relation to what we currently do, that that should be done on a huge scale. Mm -hmm. That it is just absolutely outrageous that meat and dairy is officially nutritionally unnecessary. It is officially environmentally destructive and catastrophic and yet we are focusing more than 90% of our agricultural land in Ireland on that which equates to that's agricultural land if we equate it to the island as a whole it's still the majority of the island the majority of the island we live on is dedicated to food that is destroying the planet that's nutritionally unnecessary That's associated with an industry that has horrible human rights injustices, that's heating up the planet and killing everyone, that's obviously also taking up so much space, that's destroying habitats and destroying all the native species we have. Some at an alarming level, some at a slower level, but... Yeah this is this is something that we are funding with our taxes as well and mm-hmm. no one ticked a box saying oh yeah all that consequences sounds good to me yeah taking up that much of the land and making the air that quality and poisoning that many rivers that all sounds fabulous no one agreed to that except a few people who are making a massive profit off it and those in power who have decided that, yeah, this is the most profitable way to go. And as we know that meat industry, the dairy industry, the egg industry is so associated with horrific wealth inequality that we have, yes, the beef barons on top who have a huge influence on people in power in Ireland. Mm -hmm. But we also have farmers who are being wedged into a corner of we will only fund you to do this. We will not fund you... To grow hemp. We will not fund you to grow cereals. We will not fund you to transition to a sustainable plant and nutritious food system. We will fund you to do what we've already been doing for the last hundred years, which is so upsetting. So, we really want to raise awareness of those issues and on a small scale, just show physically oh, by the way, if you didn't think that we can grow fruit in Ireland, here's some fruit that we've grown. It's delicious. It's nutritious. No animals died for it. It takes up this much space as opposed to if we were growing beef, we'd have to say, okay, this is how much space the cow takes up. But this is how much space the crops fed to the cow takes up. And then this is how much methane is produced, which is going to kill so many other people and animals. And sorry, that's that's my rant. But that's, that's
0: no, your that's rant hilarious. is very much needed because if, if people didn't know those those facts and and why the problems are there and, you know, that we're not vegans aren't anti farmers. You know, farmers are so important for for helping us for in society. Like we have lost the intelligence to grow our own food. So many people have and farmers are crucial, but they are absolutely as you said, wedged into a corner, they're subsidised, there's no body set up if they want to transition, um, there's no support for them, very little support, uh, they kind of have to jump through hoops so if you want to just rewild a patch of your land and then leave it at that. Um, I mean, I listened to the radio the other day and one of the, and they were talking about beef and, and the reduction the 25% cut I think that they have to make to to their emissions and one of the farmer was saying that this is you know not fair because we have the best way our way is the best way that we could possibly get meat that we could get beef and uh, if we stop doing it then other countries are just going to pick up the that supply demand and do it in a way that's worse for the planet that kind of blew my mind a little bit because I've heard that before and so many people like believe that and don't see the the issue with a this is wrong so we're going to do it because it's a little bit less wrong than someone else doing it and we're polluting like there's the Boyne Valley is going to have thousands of tons of waste from a, a pig farm like just gushing in to, to that river and people are trying to stop it you know there's that when do we take a stand and actually go it doesn't have to be this way it takes a little bit of imagination and then i guess a couple of people a couple of thousand people taken to the streets um to get this changed but no your rant is very much needed and i guess what you said there is also why a group like animal rebellion exists who i've chatted about on the podcast before with zach and given little updates about protests that were going on Animal Rebellion is like the a kind of like a vegan and anti um speciesist wing of Extinction Rebellion. Their focus is is looking at the the environmental damage that animal agriculture industry can cause. And mostly what Animal Rebellion and Extinction Rebellion do is well, we aim to be to be civilly disobedient. It's been hard since COVID to kind of Get that momentum back because people were just so taken out. We had our, you know, the the rug pulled from under us when all of a sudden we couldn't gather. So we were doing a lot of outreach and a lot of very small targeted protests. But I guess in your own words, why we talked about petition signing, and you've also shown up to a lot of protests. But I know you have experience in between jobs and being a normal human in Ireland. um, Why? Do you think uh, civil disobedience is necessary, if at all? Which I probably know the answer to, but (laughs) it is necessary.
1: (laughs) It is necessary. Yes, well, yeah, I have huge admiration for the stuff Zach does. And just on that note, because you were mentioning how important Well, farming feeds us it's not a case of oh it's important to me Farming it 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 keeps us alive and I remember when Zach was on the roof uh, at the Department of Agriculture the animal rebellion sign was farms not factories and from a capitalist point of view some people were saying no I support the industrialization and destruction of animals but even from a I suppose from an animal welfare side. I know some people were commenting on that saying, no, no factories and no farms, because people had this association. And I guess this is what's promoted by Irish agriculture. People had this association that when we said farms, not factories, that it had to mean animal farms, that it had to mean that animals were being forcibly bred and killed. And they said, no, no farms either. But that was without the realisation that the vast majority, if not all, of what a vegan eats is farmed. Farms are absolutely necessary for food production for the human population. And it is not necessary to kill animals on farms, not at all. But fruits, vegetables, cereals, anything you buy is farmed. And that's what we need to support is sustainable, ethical and fair trade plant food. Mm hmm. Regarding the question of why we need civil disobedience paired Mm -hmm. with that is that, yes, while conscious consumerism and small steps and carbon offsets, supposedly, and emissions targets, while all these things sound good on paper, and sometimes we need to celebrate the things that sound good on paper in order to give us hope, they're not working. We have to face the fact that at the moment, in terms of... Saving animals and saving the planet, which is saving life on Earth and saving people, we are currently losing. We are on a trajectory to lose the Earth being habitable. So what we need is a revolution. And if we look back on past past successful revolutions, very few of them were done with just baby steps and negotiations with governments in power. The majority of successful revolutions involved huge disobedience against those in power because those in power were the ones creating the systems that needed to be revolutionized. And so when it comes to this, often the comparison I make when someone says, oh, I'm against civil disobedience, I think we should talk with our politicians and have them make it so that life on earth is saved. Well, just for one thing, that hasn't worked yet. And it hasn't worked for the 30 years that we've known that this is happening. And but I tell people, well, think about how the Republic of Ireland was set up. Do you think the Republic of Ireland was set up by just someone having a chat with the Prime Minister and saying, here, listen, this island wants independence. Can we think of a few steps to make that happen? No, that happened with. A violent revolution. It happened with people taking over several key spots throughout Dublin City and throughout Ireland and protesting and taking over and saying, No, we need this to happen now because we've been campaigning for this for 700 years. And for 700 years, you've been saying you'll take small steps. With the climate crisis, we do not have 700 years. We'll be lucky if we have seven years to turn this around. So yes, a revolution is hugely needed. A revolution is what the Republic of Ireland was established on. And we'd be kidding ourselves to tell ourselves, oh yeah, but this one can be different. This one can be done with letters to a politician. No, no successful major revolutionary moment happened only with letters to politicians. So we need to take inspiration from the activists who have had success and we need people... Not abiding by a law that's destroying the planet, killing animals, harming humans. We need to break that law and we need to make change happen at a much faster rate than anyone in government is talking about at the moment.
0: Evelyn for president. That was amazing. That was so like. Abolish yes. the presidency. Oh gosh, yes. Evelyn for presidency so she can abolish the presidency and all systems that don't work. An anti hierarchical leader of <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, that's it's so true. Um, And even then, like the 1916 re- rebels, as has been mentioned before, were not popular. They were not. Everyone was like, guys, come on, let's wait till World War One is over. We'll ask them again. You know, maybe after we fight in their war, they will, you know, give us our, our independence. And it was only the with the executions that, that happened that the, the, the public start to, to shift. And we don't wanna have to get you know, we, we do, well, I know neither of us um believe in violence. Like I think I think this can work. It can a non violent mass movement will do the job if we just get the numbers and have the constant pressure pretty much, instead of uh once off, once a year marches or something like that. But no, you're, you're so right. And Animal Rebellion and Extinction Rebellion and uh, Just Stop Oil. And there's all these movements that are sprouting up that are working on uh, civil resistance. And I guess if, if people are listening and they have yet to dip their activist toe into that pool, um, what kind of advice or tips would you give them?
1: What would my advice or tips It's pretty hard to start your own organization and I completely support people starting their own organizations, but it's probably not a great first step is to say, I'm going to set up my own whole revolution by itself. No, I'd say join uh, groups that inspire you, research them. If you have internet, a lot of people have internet now, and that's a great way to connect with people who are concerned about these issues, find out about them. Um, As you've mentioned, Animal Rebellion, Extinction Rebellion, Shliela, um, Galway Feminist Collective, uh, National Animal Rights Association. I'm definitely going to regret leaving out loads of (laughs) organisations as I list this. So I'm going to (laughs) stop listing, stop (laughs) listing examples. I'd say uh, find out who is already campaigning around an issue that you're concerned about join that campaign, of course, you might join a group and you might say, actually, I disagree with this principle. And you will most likely meet other people who disagree with it as well. Like the fact is, when you join a group and you find out, oh, actually, this group isn't pushing the boundaries as much as I wanted to, or this group is pushing the boundaries much more than I'm comfortable with. There's definitely someone else in the room or someone else on the Zoom call who feels the same way. So the only way to get talking to them is to Get involved with them. Join your local community. Join the tidy towns, or whoever. The tidy towns are very organised, and I hope that they start pushing boundaries all over the gap. But that's amazing. Yes, I'd love to see the tidy towns occupy (laughs) Parliament. That would be (laughs) unreal. (laughs) <laughs> so, I but there's so many community groups that I think uh, joining one locally, or if you can't join one locally, if you're not comfortable with your local community, or you think no one's on your side in your immediate era, area, join one online, follow them, see what they're doing, see how you can help. And there's so many different ways to help. I'm You've said it so many times before that if someone is an artist, if someone is a writer, if someone is makes videos, or if someone... Uh, likes to march as an anonymous figure in a crowd, if someone likes shouting on a megaphone, if someone likes singing on a megaphone, there's room for everyone because everyone can get behind these issues. Uh, The issues of animal rights injustices and the climate crisis affect absolutely everyone and we need everyone on board and the skills of everyone. So it's definitely not a one size fits mm-hmm. all. I know people who use knitting as their form of activism. And I know people who financially support activism. And I know people who get, who are the ones jumping over the fence and getting arrested and doing the prison time as their form of activism. So it, no matter what your comfort zone is, if you are concerned about this issue, find someone else who's concerned or help someone else who's concerned and get involved. I realise my answer is very not straightforward. It's not saying but, you oh, just but There's do so this. many
0: options. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it's not one thing. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely justified answer there is something for everyone and as well not everyone is in a, a supporting or getting involved with civil disobedience like you said there's so many ways you can be involved doesn't mean getting arrested especially for people who are in vulnerable positions where that is not something that, that can be afforded to them be it they have you know they're raising children or they could like they could be a single parent or they might not have a visa here. They might be living in direct provision. And Jesus, the last thing you need is to make your life even worse if you're living in actual hell on earth. So there is people who don't need to be arrested. Um, but there are so many ways, a million and one that you can actually support. The movement and civil disobedience anyway and i know animal rebellion will be doing a talk upcoming at veg fest i can't wait for veg fest which is a vegan food festival in dublin for anyone who doesn't know it's on the 25th of september 24th, and, september. 25th, I think. 24th Saturday and 25th 24th and 25th Yes, that's going to be in Dublin. So you can follow FedgeFest online if you want to keep up with them and, uh, what, what's going to be happening there. It's a very, it's a really, really inclusive event. Like uh, it's, it's brilliant. The last couple of times I missed it with COVID. So Anna Rebellion will be doing a talk there, which you may hear one and or both of us at vcons will also be doing something so we'll have to check that out and there may be some upcoming activities planned for animal rebellion hopefully there'll be an outreach day in dublin on the 10th of september so if people are around keep an eye on their instagram to see what that will be about and you can come and chat to people and get to know more if you like but before we kind of enter into some weird questions to finish off the day you also mentioned before we started recording that you have recently contributed to a book and um, I'm just going to be as vague as that can you tell us what it's about and what uh what your kind of your other kind of passion well it's not other it's kind of all encompassing
1: yeah well I would definitely be vague because I went into it very vague because <laughs> I am not a writer whatsoever I Um, I do not consider myself an academic in any way, quite the opposite. Um, And I really had to adjust the way I say things because they were saying, oh, this is not how in an academic publication we do this. So it's um, the uh, De Montfort uh, University in Leicester are doing a feminist animal studies publication and they're bringing together all these different chapters on really interesting topics. I'm so excited to read it when it comes out next year. But um, the chapter I'm contributing to it It's called Votes for Women. So the fur is F-U-R because it is focusing partially on the Irish socialist uh, suffrage movement, women's suffrage movement of the late 18th and early 19th century, but specifically on the leaders who were socialist, eco-feminist, animal rights activists of various different kinds. And part of the reason I called it Votes for Women is Part is because I love a play on words. I that absolutely is brilliant. Love it. it quite well summarised what it was about, that it was about votes and political activism. It was about uh, women, obviously, it was about feminists and women, non-binary and trans people being leaders of the feminist and equality movement. And the fur is because I was looking at primary source texts from the 1800s and it was quite hard to identify if someone was an animal rights activist because sometimes it would list saying this person didn't eat meat. And just because someone didn't eat meat does mean they were animal rights activists. But often when it was paired with this person didn't eat meat, they also didn't wear leather, fur or feathers that then I could research into them further and find out. Oh, also, they wrote this amazing paper against live exports of animals and against the feather fashion industry and against exploitation of animals in general. And uh, I just think that topic's really interesting because while eco feminist animal rights activism of the past sounds very niche, hmm. these issues intersected so much and they really in terms of documented evidence there's no start to these movements whatsoever. I always tell people that environmentalism has been around since people have been destroying forests. It is not something that came about in the 1990s when we really solidified the crisis of global warming no it's been something that's been around since the beginning of humanity as long as people have been chopping down forests there's been a counter movement of environmentalism and mm-hmm. same with feminism feminism did not start with uh, the suffragette movement and getting votes for women it has existed as long as there had been gender based inequality right. and uh, again with animal rights as long as people have been slaughtering and harming animals there has been a counter movement of animal rights activism. So I tried to identify a way of bringing this together where I could find sources from the past and really the 1840s coinciding with the Great Famine in Ireland uh, there were several movements that were I suppose that acted as a catalyst for like food reform movements, human rights movements And uh, at the same time, we saw the foundation of the Vegetarian Society, which is considered somewhat to be the coining of the word vegetarian. And at the same time, we saw the foundation of feminist societies around the world and uh, several groups being set up here. So I tried to highlight some of the reasons behind that, because... The the fact that those groups intersected with the leaders they had within them and the activists they had within them, that's a fact. But the question was, why is that the case? So I was looking into the overlapping issues of reproductive exploitation, the issues of conscious consumerism and anti-capitalism and um, tackling human rights injustices alongside animal rights injustices as an egalitarian movement. And uh, so I found it very interesting and I was really glad to put some of it down in paper and then to have people come back saying, this is not how you should write for this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything ended with, so they blew up the <laughs> say,
1: No, 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 don't write it like that.
0: <laughs> Can you, do you then want to, let us know where can people find out like can people will this be a thing that people can buy or is it one of those academic paper things that only I academics think
1: and hope it will be open access I if it Amazing. is not I would recommend a book that came out recently that is available online and also available in a free podcast version is Corey Lee Wren's Animals in Irish Society because that no, that came out after I'd written it, which I was like, no, this would have been a great source, which is great. <laughs> um but uh, Corey Lee Wren's um Animals in Irish Society is available as a book online, but also it uh, Corey Lee Wren has done a podcast version. So if you prefer listening, if you prefer reading, it covers Uh, the history of animals in Irish society, obviously, sorry, I'm saying the title so much, Uh, but also uh, Corey Lee Wren is great for bringing in an eco-feminist perspective to that. So uh, hopefully, Feminist Animal Studies, uh, which is going to be published by the De Montfort University, hopefully that will be open access, but if you can't get it, get the Corey Lee Wren book or listen to the podcast
0: amazing yeah the, and because the, i think that's something that the feminism movement um you don't see anywhere near enough of is that the link between feminism for female animals who are who are more exploited uh, especially when it comes to to mammals who are um artificially inseminated is their term when really the they're being assaulted by a human i'm laughing because i'm nervous it's such a horrible thing um but there's these horrible atrocities and and their children are taken away from them and they are scientifically proven to have cognitive cognitive emotions and that causes them sorrow that part the sorrow part of their brain like flares up so absolutely, it's really, really interesting that all of this is coming out now. And I haven't heard of Corey's book, so I'm absolutely going to read that. And have you got any other kind of recommendations? I like so many things, but a book that
1: jumps out of my head is Caliban and the Witch by Silvia Federici, which is um, about the transition from feudalism to capitalism. But it's one of these books, it's not that long, but every single page is eye opening and making me question the society we live in now, how it came about, who is profiting uh, or benefiting off it, and who the majority of people and the majority of species are being negatively impacted because of the way we live now. And how did all that start? And really interestingly, in relation to our current transition after the, or our current transition with the pandemic. It talks about what happened, um, when the Black Death swept around the world and how that affected people and how it affected our society and what were societies and smaller communities' reactions to it. And it's so interesting. It's really interesting, really life changing, and comes from a perspective of let's not overlook. That the systems we have in place now not only don't need to exist, but they are so harmful to so many. That is
0: amazing. That book sounds so good, so I'm absolutely going to add that to my list. To finish off, is there anything that we that you'd like to share? I'm going to just ask some random questions to to close off because there's a million things I want to ask everyone, and there's not enough time in the day. But is there anything that you would like to share about any of the above or anything that we haven't touched on with listeners?
1: Oh yes, if yeah, if you're interested in animals definitely from a legislation or um a systematic point of view, I recommend joining the National Animal Rights Association. And if you're interested on an individual and wildlife and biodiversity point of view, the Kildare Wildlife Rescue is a group that I have been working with a few of the volunteers from, and they are absolutely amazing. And um, just uh, it's, it's the kind of group that you always refer people to when you come across mm-hmm. an injured seagull, which happens to so many people. So many people come across an injured seagull or come across an yeah. injured wild pigeon. And uh, the Kildare Wildlife Rescue are the goats to. And yeah, the majority of uh, lovely little beings who live in my house, who are mostly Mm -hmm. rabbits, Uh, have been rescued by the Kildare Wildlife Rescue so I really appreciate that and uh, they if anyone wanted to join them there's so like all activism there's so many different ways to join those two groups Uh, for instance there is a need for graphic design there's a need for art there's a need for admin there's a need for computer work and there's a need for transportation for anyone who has a license or anyone who is able to go to a park and sit around waiting for an abandoned animal to get into a cage so they can be rehabilitated. Uh, that there's there's jobs for everyone. So I recommend checking out those groups and seeing what you
0: can do to help. Amazing, and Evelyn, what legend you are! The amount of rabbits that you rescue <laughs> and rehabilitate, and God knows how many sleepless nights you've had waking up to give medicine and feeding. So you're just like the the rabbit queen. And thank you on behalf of the rabbits. And then on that note, can you please pick a letter in the alphabet, and there'll be a random question.
1: Okay, I'll go since we're talking about rabbits, I'll go with the letter
0: R. And the letter or R or R or, or, or Ooh. What would you like the next generation or generations to know?
1: This sounds so bad, but what I want the generations to know is that I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's what I wrote in the census this year. You know the way the census had a time capsule, and I saw so many written by environmentalists saying we're trying our best. And I guess I was in a I was in a, a sad headspace at the time and um, I've had a just a really tough year and what I wrote on the census was I'm so sorry we we are trying but we're currently failing and I hope the world is still habitable when this gets publicly released in 100 years and yeah so that's currently my thought for future generations is that I'm sorry that I think on a personal level, I I think so many people are doing so many amazing things. I don't think I'm doing enough. And um, I would definitely say as a country as a whole that we are not doing enough. So that's such a sad point to say to future generations. Um, but if that's
0: what you feel that's what you feel and it's absolutely valid because i have those feelings as well of i'm not doing enough and then i'll go through go through it's like a cycle and then i'll remember joanna macy's work and go this is not my sole responsibility this is the work of the collective what i'm doing is feeding into the collective and then you see the government do something shitty and you're like i'm not doing enough or you know it is a bit of a cycle um and yeah I I want them to know that I'm sorry and I tried as well and I'm still gonna try and I'm gonna die trying even if my levels of ability and how I'm trying will fluctuate you know like you were saying when you were asked uh, about how your activism manifests and you were like I do what I can when I can from some days that's petition some days it's it's protesting and I think that's so valid because we all have our careers and our families and our health and all of these other things to deal with and and do as well okay let's go with another letter oh my microphone is deciding to quit there she goes I'll go with the letter J Jay, what's the first thing you would do if you became T shock overnight? <laughs> <laughs> End T <Taoiseach's. laughs> um,
1: If I became T overnight, I would immediately implement the advice of several citizens assemblies that we have already carried out and have not implemented the advice of um, in terms of environmentalism and human rights. There's so many steps that we already have listed that we're not doing. I suppose I would uh, I would say that we have to tell the truth. I, I, one thing, little thing that I would take inspiration from is, do you know, the smoking ban? That so many yeah. people said, this idea of smoking outside, it's not going to work. It's not going to make a difference. It did work. It did make a difference. Mm-hmm. And the COVID restrictions we put in place, again, people were saying, we we can't do this. We like It's just too big an issue to tackle. And together, our society decided, we're going to protect the vulnerable and we're going to do our best. And so many people did amazing things in a really terrifying time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that that, yeah, that I, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> this would be my first speech.
0: <laughs> I, would,
1: <laughs> I would say I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't think any individual can make decisions for an entire population. So, let's figure this out together.
0: Um, and, I love uh, it. That's enough. That, I is, I, that, is, that, that is enough as a T shock. That is enough for your first, it's only the first thing, you know, it could be, make a Cup of coffee so that you have the energy to go in and dismantle all these systems. But yeah. Because <laughs> they'll say it takes you a long time for anything to happen. We'll end oh with gosh. one more one more letter. B B the most beautiful sight or place you've ever seen.
1: The most beautiful sight or place I've ever been is my back garden when there are rabbits hopping around. That is my happy place and I want everyone to have a happy place like that. And there's something about a little rabbit's cottontail bouncing around. Uh, because rabbits when they're happy, they do a thing called zoomies or binkies where they jump up and they just they just flip all over the place. Not as any kind of practicality, it's pure joy and it gives me pure joy to see another species having pure joy. And whenever I make a wish on a birthday cake or anything like that, I I think about that and I wish for everyone to have it. I wish Aww. for everyone to have binkies and have zoomies and to have their little their little haven they can go to so yeah it's it's not like I'm sure there's other people who say the most spectacular things ever but yeah mine is my back garden with little cottontails jumping around
0: that's beautiful and you'd be surprised um it doesn't come up all the time but there's a lot of people will say things local to them you know and they might have traveled the world etc etc so that's so beautiful and yeah they do like they just jump in the air and like flip all around and then land again it's so gorgeous to see and I wish my landlord would let us have non-human animals in the house but maybe I'll just have to sneak those in and civilly resist her but Evelyn I cannot thank you enough for your time and for all the activism that you do and continue to do it is you're doing enough for what you can right now and you're doing a great job and thank you so much and I don't, thats my sound like you're doing a great job kind of patronising, I really don't mean it like that, like the work you do is just fabulous um, for so many different causes and I can't wait to set my eyes on this uh, academic paper as well, how exciting but thank you so much for giving me your time, I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much Cara and if that book isn't published in an open access space i'll be giving a talk along the same theme of eco-feminist animal rights activism in ireland at dublin veg fest Mm -hmm. at the end of september so i'll see you all there and we'll all eat lots of delicious food and we'll all learn interesting and important things
0: from each other love it yes i cannot wait thank you so much I think you guys will agree that Evelyn's honesty is just absolutely lovely in this episode and I hope that some of this has resonated with you or helped you and you found some inspiration or tips and I really would recommend giving vcons a follow because Evelyn, we didn't really go into zero waste living in this chat. There's just so much to talk about. But she's brilliant for zero waste cooking and just living zero waste in general and or reduced waste. Um, because I know zero waste is pretty, pretty hard to come by. But um, she's really great for putting up uh, recipes, easy to cook recipes and um, as are her friends that she runs vegans with. So really do recommend giving them a follow and hopefully I will see some of you at the outreach event on the 10th of September. I Actually, the day after recording this interview, I was at work on Stephen's Green and I saw Evelyn and Laura Broxen. I think her surname is, from NARA, National Animal Rights Association, passing by for um uh because they had just come from a protest at the canadian embassy so really is evelyn is out every day she had gone out on her lunch break and uh yeah i think we can definitely take a leave from her book and you know spend a little bit, bit more time with uh volunteer groups or helping anyway helping any way we can whatever capacity we're able to um because and that will fluctuate throughout the year throughout you know what's going on in your life like very much so I've experienced for the first time just the time when I wasn't able to do the podcast I just wasn't this was the activism I was always able to keep doing and then the last few weeks it just slipped between being busy and um not having my head screwed on enough to plan for interviews and um I guess feeling very overwhelmed at the world as well and thinking is there really any point to doing this because it's such a small podcast but I really enjoy it and I hope you listening as well have enjoyed it. So look, this has been a long chat. Thank you so, so much for listening. I really appreciate it and yeah, if, uh, if you have any suggestions or requests or feedback for the show please do get in touch and I hope you are keeping safe and well and I will be back very soon okay thank you so much guys love you all bye